0: hi i got a tape i want to play
1: just what do you think you're doing today
0: your move creep take me to the volcano so why don't you make like a tree
1: and get out of here come with me if you want to live this town needs an enema. i just said i need a back yes that's a human ear all right i got a bad feeling about this So it's come to this. It has indeed. Welcome back.
0: Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about a movie.
0: Oh. Maybe more s- than one. Probably just one.
1: We're going to talk about a movie. And <laughs> What a
0: movie. What a movie. So recently, Charlie and I have started talking about uh, the decade in film. Making some loose project
1: plans. That's right. Um, it's the end of 2019. You know, you start thinking back. Yeah. So you. What has start... this decade been about? Yeah, and
0: so you know, we're probably going to be some episodes focused on best of the decade kind of stuff. So we've been
1: in talks. We've been in negotiations. Yeah, we've been discussing
0: <laughs> the uh, the rights to this Behind future cast. Doors. Yeah. Now, so we started. Uh, basically exchanging lists of our favorite movies of the decade and kind of figured that if one of us has a movie top 20 top 30 of the decade and the other one hasn't seen it well that should be rectified you know i haven't seen la la land (laughs) that one's la la land emma stone Uh, emma stone (laughs) so i haven't seen that but we were just thinking in terms of what has a realistic chance of cracking a top 25 mm. for us. For us. For us. I'm so, sure
1: La La Land is on someone else's top yeah. of the decade. Maybe, I, maybe it, it's on It my, almost won the Oscar. Did it not? Oh, is that the thing? It, it was Moonlight. Oh, yeah. that was the, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Good> <laughs> never, seen never seen it. Good times. Never seen it. Never seen it. We don't care about La La Land. What we, do so, care uh,
0: about what we do care about the one we're getting to is a film called Killer Joe. Mm. William Friedkin's
1: Killer Joe. Yeah. Uh, so Friedkin is still making movies. Yeah. Good S- ones. Still around. At least made Killer Joe. And uh, this came out in uh, 2011, 2012.
0: So yeah, Charlie and I
1: exchanged
0: some preliminary lists mm-hmm. of uh, films we think are high up on our lists. Even though our lists aren't finished yet. Oh no. And Killer Joe Very is not. pretty high on mine. You had not seen it. I had not.
1: I always wanted to. So it was on your radar. It was on the radar and uh I love William Friedkin as a director, though I haven't yeah. really seen any of his stuff since the two thousands or even maybe that you know yeah, since well- Jade. I think Jade is the That's last, the, pe- last, the, last uh, the last Friedkin I saw. Where it was like, okay, so uh, David Caruso's a sex symbol now. I am green lighting the Jade <laughs> cast.
0: Launch the Jade Initiative. Yeah, I am so <laughs> pumped for the Jade cast. But Friedkin did a movie five years before Killer Joe called Bug, mm-hmm. based on a screenplay from the same dude Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts, I did not realize was a playwright. Uh, these were stage plays, and Killer Joe and Bug, if you see it, both feel like they could be on a stage.
1: Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, Killer Joe had. A, we watched it recently to catch up, and and it had a very immediate stage vibe, uh-huh. theatrical vibe. Um, very. A- the acting is very so. Yeah. The. Uh,
0: the writer, Tracy Letts, he was the father in Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Lady Bird's father. And he's on that <laughs> HBO show Divorce as Molly Shannon's husband. Okay, So I've been familiar with him from him getting a lot of acting work lately. Well, this guy is a talented playwright. So he did Bug and Killer Joe that Friedkin used. And yeah, it's kind of a weird thing about killer joe as it starts and it already feels like a stage play kind of Mm -hmm. the acting
1: is even very stage the acting seems very much like you're playing to the back of the house the whole time it well so most of the action (laughs) it's a small house most of the action takes (laughs) place in a mobile home in and around and it opens with uh emile hirsch as this guy named chris pounding on the door in a rainstorm trying to be let in and it's very much uh yeah like what you would imagine if you're like in a theater and the lights go down and a sh- <laughs> and a show opens right yeah. the lights would come up on a on a door you'd hear radio sound guy. effects yeah. and the guy banging on a for fake door for some reason it just totally evoke that yeah. emotion in watching it and uh the <laughs> finally the door opens <laughs> <laughs> and 30 seconds into this movie um How do I put this? Uh, You you see Gina Gershon from the waist down. You got full bush.
0: You get introduced to Gina Gershon, but not the part of Gina Gershon you expect (laughs) to be introduced to. I did not recognize it was Gina (laughs) Gershon at first. The camera needed to pan
1: up. Uh, We aren't that familiar with her. So it's immediately (laughs) one of these movies where she's sauntering around the kitchen. Uh, She's not his His mom, -mom. his (laughs) stepmom. sauntering you know uh, <laughs> pantsless around the kitchen
0: well, there's this great bit where she, she's just wearing a t-shirt and nothing else all time classic girl oh. look fyi <laughs> <laughs> t-shirt doesn't
1: look, I'm not complaining about the doesn't look cool blush. at all I'm See, not complaining the
0: t-shirt and nothing else <laughs> one of the all time worst looks on a guy <laughs> just, a t- just a terrible Ooh. look Ooh. just shirt cocking it it's awful <laughs> Nobody wants that look. T-shirt and nothing else on a lady, um, like the opposite end of the quality
1: of looks scale, I feel you So much better. Afelia. <laughs> <laughs> But she's got this great line where he's like, could you at least put some pants on? She's like, nothing you haven't seen before. Yeah. Like, it's wait, like, what? So this is not a is, rare occurrence. Well, I
0: love I love the whole bit she's working when he's like, why do you open the door like that? And she's <laughs> like, well, I didn't know who was at the door. Yeah. You're like, wait, but why <laughs> <laughs> but why would you? Yeah. She uses that as her less, reason yeah. multiple times. I didn't know who was at the door. <laughs>
1: So, I, it could have been anybody. i seeing what the big deal like, is. That's why I did it. <laughs> it's like the worst explanations for all of it. I love it. But
0: we're immediately thrown into this very unfamiliar world.
1: Well, and, and so they're We're immediately all not my own. these people who are just yelling at each other. We start at a 10. Like, this movie just starts right at the top. Yeah,
0: you get bush and rainstorm bush, and yelling. Family squabbling. Trailer fighting.
1: Uh, They're yelling at each other over whatever it is. I don't even remember. Money at this point. You know, it's mm-hmm. this movie's all about money. and
0: uh, Yeah, Chris got kicked out of his house. Chris
1: got kicked out, right. His mom kicked him out or his uh, girlfriend his girl. kicked him out. Yeah, his girlfriend kicks him out. We... He's trying to stay there cuz his dad's there, you know, and the stepmom. And uh yeah, the dad is uh Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Uh sideways. Who is just in his long johns Who's for in, much Who of the movie. spends most of the movie in dirty long johns. Just the filthiest long johns. Uh with like the weirdest patchy like facial hair. Like how <laughs> Is that really the best he could do or is, is that, that I think that must have been a choice, are, right? These people are not all doing great. It's just it's, the, it's this movie is garbage people <laughs> yeah. in a garbage house. These are filthy people. And everything is dirty and everything is scraggly and yeah no clothes are clean. Yeah, nothing is clean. So this is where we're starting. Yeah, right in the front, in so the beginning. And Charlie and every, I yeah.
0: had assembled this list of movies that we wanted to see, like of each other's favorite movies of the decade that we've missed. So we cobbled this list together, probably like fifteen movies, and then didn't know how to pick which one. <laughs> right, because it's like, well, great, I don't, I don't know who who's to represent here, and so in my stupid fashion. I wrote all the names down Folded them up into pieces of paper Put them in the box And we drew three at random I think it came down between this and A Most Violent Year Right Another one that I love And you go I want to
1: watch something fucked up (laughs) Well no I said (laughs) I said I I would go Killer Joe over Most Violent Year Because it looks more fucked up (laughs) Yeah And I'm going, I'm thinking more fucked up. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that was, that was my rationale.
0: And then like 10 minutes in of just
1: bottomless people <laughs> screaming at each other. Just I'm just like, fighting. Eh? Eh? Like, yeah, this is pretty it. much what I signed up for. <laughs> you yeah. wanted this. I'm a satisfied customer. Uh, but yeah, it's so funny because they did so over the top. You're like, this this can't be real. Like these people cannot be real. They're just yeah. so out there. But eh, maybe. Um, but it takes place in Texas. In this, yeah, mobile home, and that's obviously where the stage would, you know, the set, yeah, the, probably this, the one set would have been, yeah, this, I would have loved in to the see play. this on the stage. I mean, how cool?
0: Just like Bug, uh, it's you know, Bug set in a motel room with mm-hmm. mostly Ashley Judd and Harry Connick Jr. in one claustrophobic motel room, you know, and so this trailer is claustrophobic, but you the claustrophobia really kicks in for me when you realize how these people are just scratching their existence. Hmm. They're crawling out and mm-hmm. everything, their life is one series of scheme after another. They're scheming. Oh yeah. These people are scheming and that, that sense of desperation that's there from just the first few minutes just makes it feel uh, more harrowing more.
1: <laughs> I don't know. No, but desperate is the word. I mean, these people are clearly just uh, barely hanging on to any kind of civilization. Yeah. Like, the fact <laughs> that they're walking around half naked with no sense of... There's no sense of decorum or anything, right? Yeah. There's, there's no... Uh, yeah. They don't care of... They don't give a fuck about anything, no. is what you really get the sense. Yeah. Uh, these people are... Except for making enough money to get by and to get high and to, yeah, you know they're looking. Do their thing.
0: Chris is a guy who's clearly looking at get rich quick schemes, mm-hmm.
1: and I think Gina Gershon works at a pizza place, lo- right? Local pizza place, right, right. And yeah, the dad works at uh, like a metal shop somewhere, kind of a thing, mechanic maybe.
0: So these are dirty people, <laughs> except we Noble have professions. we have one little angel
1: in the presence, mm-hmm. which is Dotty. Is Dottie an alien? Dottie feels like she (laughs) might be not a human being.
0: Yeah. Dottie is played by Juno Temple. Mm -hmm. And Juno Temple is an actress that I love. She always picks weird, cool stuff to be in. She's kind of a weirdo. And this is probably my introduction to her. Because I saw this around when it came out. I don't know how much Juno
1: Temple I'd seen before I don't really know her very... Yeah, I can't say that I... Particularly know her from from anyone else, but uh, she's great in this. She's got this kind of little pixie kind of uh, yeah sensibility she's a, to her. She's this innocent child. She's, an innocent, she's kind of the nice one innocent child. yeah within this group of this den of uh, <laughs> this villainy. Den of, yeah, you know,
0: and she's somehow unscathed and sweet and kind. Right, and the movie is very careful to not paint her as simple. Right, she's not dumb. You know, she she gets stuff. She just responds differently. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's very important that she's not an actual,
1: you know, simple-minded
0: person.
1: Right, right. Um, Chris, on the other hand, Neil Hirsch's character, cool. maybe one of the dumbest characters I've <laughs> ever encountered.
0: This movie is filled with dumb people. <laughs> it, it is stressful. It is, and I know. Like you can see all of their bad decisions coming, and the way that they talk themselves into them being not bad decisions, but it always feels like a bad decision right like these and these people have made a series of bad decisions in their lives, yeah, to that's how they got are. where they got, yeah, they have made a lot of bad
1: decisions for one reason or another. It is stressful watching these folk, right. The ultimate bad decision, I would think, is hiring someone to kill your mom. Yeah. Big bad decision there, which it is, is the a- one that Chris makes to make some money because he owes some guys some money.
0: That is one of the tougher looks into the mirror that any of us <laughs> have to go through, is the moment that we decide to hire a hitman to kill your birth mother to cash in her life insurance policy. Yes. It's a tough road that we travel. And Chris got there earlier than others. To get
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the light. Um, yeah. so
0: he comes up immediately sounds like a scheme full of holes. No, yeah, it's not like a great every plan. one of their plans sounds like all we gotta do is hire this guy who I heard kills people. Right. To kill my
1: mother. They hate their mom, by the way. Apparently she's a real bee. I love in this movie, and I'm sure it's the same way in the play that you never see the mom. The mom is not a character. Yeah, you see the body at one point, but you never. But yeah, the the whole there's first, no interactions. With the this whole mom. scene uh, where Chris actually goes to his dad, the man who made Chris with this woman. Yeah, the mother, <laughs> and suggests the killing plot. Yeah, and the dad's like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We could just make money." This does
0: sound like a good idea. Off a kill-
1: it's just it's something so uh, awful about the way that they're just so kind of, not nonchalant, but they're kind of like immediately on board with this plan. Yeah. Like, yeah, we should kill her.
0: Like, they are desperate enough that, like, <laughs> her being murdered like by some guy just viable. seems like, it seems like a good idea. It seems like, like a great idea. For like 12 grand. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that always hits me. Uh, when people are like, all right, well, after our cut, then we're just simply splitting up this. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, so what are we, are are we, we're we clearing just a couple grand a piece here? Like yeah. how long, no, but none of these plans in these kind of people's movies ever seem like they're going to have anything other than a one month windfall. <laughs> he will burn through this murder money so quick.
1: Well, he already owes Digger. Oh. So we'll get into that guy later, Digger. Uh, But I think I just need to like wrap my head around just the way that this plot comes about because it is so much like. First of all, he shows up in the middle of the night, right at this uh, at this trailer park, wakes everyone up, gets his dad to go out and have a beer with him at the strip club. So you're getting a great, just neon grime strip club scene, which I don't know. I've like sometimes I was watching this movie feeling like what would William Friedkin do like 30 years from now? Like, or, or just like the taboo. Like he'll just, yeah. he's not a, like cruising. Like Jeez. he'll just do the taboo thing. He'll totally. have the cops kill people. He'll, and so just this whole movie is so taboo, which is. Um, yeah,
0: this whole movie feels uh, shocking in yeah. several ways. And Friedkin is just a guy who has figured out ways to shock yeah. for 40 <laughs> years now uh pretty impressively bug is just gross and shocking mm. in in a totally different way than mm. killer joe is and cruising is also uh very shocking and right. very uh controversial at the time yeah. it came out Like yeah. he is
1: just showing he had I think it had some controversy uh, with another movie he made called uh, The Exorcist. <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit one. He knows what he's doing. But uh, Whereas, no, this movie, I think the the taboo to me is just that whole matricide idea, and just the way that they are like, like he clearly had like heard of this hitman, mm-hmm. and then was just like, within a day, was like, yes, this is the plan. Now that I'm going to do <laughs> to like yeah. pay some loan shark or drug guy a couple thousand dollars. And just to get out of this one hole that I'm in for now, like this isn't the long term success plan. This isn't him like I'm going to go out and live a good life after this. This is I need you know to get, I out, need of to get out of today. this hole today. Today, yeah. So I'm going to put a hit out on my own mother. This is a
0: guy with limited wow. with time running out on a debt that he owes. Mm-hmm. And so we start the movie with Emil Hirsch at the. What we assume would be the peak of most people's desperation—that just keeps getting worse. It's like uh, another kind of shocking movie, uh, *Bad Lieutenant*. Oh yeah, Abel Ferrara, where the movie starts and Harvey Keitel is like a crooked cop who's like smoking crack and naked, and it just gets worse for him. Yeah, like we (laughs) open with him naked, crack singing and dancing. Most
1: movies would close,
0: and that's like. The best we see him. <laughs> things keep getting worse for Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant. And we start with Emile Hirsch, not great. And things <laughs> keep getting worse for Emile Hirsch, entirely
1: for reasons caused by Emile Hirsch. Oh, man. Again, yeah. We'll, we'll get in kind of when the plot twist of the reveal of this plot happens. I really just want to get into how stupid this guy is. <laughs> but... Anyways, they, the guy that they know who can kill people is actually a cop, right? He's a, a Dallas cop. Uh, detective, or, or he's a cop who does uh, hit jobs on the side, and uh, he is our titular killer Joe. He is Killer Joe, and they call him Killer Joe. He calls himself, yeah, yeah. That no. is that is what he he goes by. I am killer, killer Joe. Joe, um, and it's played by uh, the McConaughey. It, this is 2012. This is the beginning. Yeah, this uh, was uh I mean, right at the right at the as I call it. Yeah. He
0: uh with mud and then uh you know, peaking with his getting an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Right. Like this was you know, there had been flashes in the past. I really love frailty. hmm With he and Bill Paxton. I thought that was a
1: really strong performance,
0: but there was also a lot of not as strong uh, McConaughey
1: performances over the years. Well, he's always been that actor, or was it previously at least, someone you knew was great, but he chose to be in kind of dull or just, yeah. to me, uninteresting romantic comedies or other things like that, just things that aren't wouldn't even come to my mind, you know? Right. Like, I don't even know. But uh, There's a lot of McConaughey movies that I just haven't seen. Right <laughs> or you have seen him <laughs> you don't have to see him, you've seen him You've seen him, but you know he kind of yeah, he finally started uh I guess taking on some interesting projects, or at least I don't know I, I'd be curious to hear why he took on this particular project because killer Joe is such a great character, I mean, he probably took it on because it's a great character, but Killer Joe enters in, and he's a smooth... He's, well, he's got that smooth McConaughey-ness, right? Oh, yeah. He's a smooth mother. Well, this... So this is that same... He was hitting pretty good in,
0: like, right around this time, because there was also... Did you ever see Bernie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was doing sure. kind of a That's
1: variation a good, on... You uh, know, that one crossed my mind doing the decade roundup, because I was like, yeah, Bernie was... Uh, Bernie was good. I was good. looking at Linklater movies. Uh-huh. I was like, you know what? Bernie's kind of the dark horse of like that. That movie's really gotten
0: pretty forgotten.
1: Yeah, uh, I unfairly.
0: It. I enjoyed it, but so that had him, and then the Lincoln Lawyer, which is also like, oh, this is actually uh, so. That's really this is all right in the thick of this. Oh yeah, and his character in Bernie is not dissimilar from his character here in Killer Joe. He's just not a. It's a different degree Actual of killer. slimy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. So he's really kind of tapped into this vein. And yeah, the first appearance Killer Joe. This guy is a pretty cool cucumber. Mm-hmm. And he has a way of threatening you that is downright scary. He's in charge.
1: Yeah. He's the boss he's in any room that he's in. Uh, and it's kind of one of those where you look at someone like McConaughey and it's like, maybe that's how he got to where he is. He's just got that alpha charisma that, you know either got it or you don't, but he, he's able to command the situation.
0: The, the Killer Joe as a stage play seems extra cool to me just because then you'd get a chance to cycle through different Killer Joes,
1: <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we watch a movie and you think, oh, how cool would so-and-so have been in mm-hmm. this role? Not even at a detriment to the original actor, just seeing what somebody else could do with the same material. I'm sure it wouldn't be that far-fetched. That Nicolas Cage was scouted for Killer Joe. Totally different I could see it. energy, yeah. than McConaughey, but an energy that would have worked probably equally well. Just mm-hmm. that it would have just shaped the movie slightly. And so McConaughey has this coolness to well, him,
1: he, you know, him also being this Texas boy. You know, he's got that kind of natural. Sure, it works for the movie, but he's great. He meets Dottie. Right off the bat. Oh, yeah. Sparks fly. Let's. Uh, <laughs> Dude, the, so this is so weird, this relationship. The, <laughs> yeah, the Dottie and
0: Joe interactions are really. There's something else in this movie. My God. They're, so Dottie's just, like you said, kind of an alien. Mm-hmm. She's like a space cadet. She's a not real person. Right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But she's great. Never worked a day in her life. No, (laughs) I love her. But Killer Joe is a guy who knows like every single move of his day. Mm. Feels like that kind of guy who goes through the same kind of order on stuff. This guy is prepared for situations. And Dottie kind of throws him (laughs) Because right. he doesn't kind of get Dottie. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like this. Dottie's like his one little soft spot. Everything right. else, he's so cold and calculating. And he is just, I love his fascination with Dottie.
1: Oh, yeah. And her silliness, her aloofness. Well, exactly. And she's, yeah, she just knows that it's, you know, her, her brother's friend Joe. Yeah, she just thinks of him as this nice guy coming over, and yeah, but it feels it feels wrong.
0: Yeah, it instantly feels wrong. Now they don't—I don't think they say her age, and Juno Temple was definitely not a teen in the movie. Right, but
1: I think it's implied that she's a teenager. I think so too in the movie. I th- well, she says she's a virgin. Right, there's that. There's. Things like that, yeah.
0: There's things like that that she's clearly made out to be the picture of innocence. Right, exactly. Um, So even though Juno Temple is an adult woman in the movie, the way the movie presents it is
1: incorrect. It's not the McConaughey in the romantic comedy, these two meet cute and sparks fly. It is (laughs) the snake (laughs) watching the rabbit. Yeah, it is predatory. uh, Kind of a thing, yeah.
0: But, oh man, this... So they got this dumb murder plot, and Emil Hirsch owes what six grand, sixty five hundred, something like that, something like to that. a local crime boss mm-hmm. for reasons we don't really know. Well, I think he's got gambling issues. He's got every issues. This guy's got issues. He's got everything. Even oh when he's God. he's destitute, the entire movie he owes money all the time. We see him at like an off track betting place uh-huh. betting on horse races. This right. guy just can't stop. He yeah. cannot ever catch a break because he clearly does not want any kind of breaks. He is making every bad decision, pretty much. And so we get this meeting with Joe and Emil Hirsch and Thomas Hayden Church, and this is where you really get the sense of Joe as
1: no nonsense boss. That, sure,
0: because they don't have any money. <laughs> Right, like, you get the sense of oh Joe. Gosh.
1: Joe controls the scene, but this is really where you do get the sense of, "Oh, these guys are idiots." Yeah, this is such a bad idea because they think that uh, they think Joe's going to work on credit. Basically, they think Joe, the guy who goes by Killer Joe, is going <laughs> to kill someone before getting on paid. on layaway. <laughs> yeah. To trust that these guys will actually pay him later. Yeah, these the, guys who the seem like
0: the least trustworthy guys, guys who
1: are, ever are yeah are in their shit kicker boots and they're dirty. Just they just they look, the greasy hair. They look scummy. They're so scummy. They look unwashed. I mean, I'm you can Hirsch. I hate I, to judge by appearances.
0: Even but, with the Blu-ray, you can't really tell if he, if he had a bad beard or was just dirty. <laughs> yeah i didn't know if he had dirt on his face or a beard i just couldn't tell because yeah. he had dirt on himself a lot
1: it's true well and then uh halfway through the movie he's got he's all bruised up and we'll talk about that oh, later yeah. but then you yeah you really can't tell no then um, he's who knows what's on his face but yeah these guys show up and and joe's like all right i have some very clear rules if you uh yeah. don't follow these rules we're done and, like, rule number one... This is a pro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you would hope so. If you don't just one kill under your belt go, yeah, I'm going to start calling
1: myself Killer Eric. Imagine if <laughs> you we... You need to... Imagine you and I are putting a hit out on Engineer Ben. Yeah. And <laughs> sure, sure. I'm just trying to see if he's listening. He's not. <laughs> uh, and, no, and... Uh, we showed up and the guy that we were going to contract to kill was just showed up and was like so uh what's uh what are we doing here <laughs> what's yeah. going on be like what's i on? don't know what what what's, are yeah what i have no know? idea yeah how do you know so it's good that joe's in charge but then rule number 1 is i get paid $25,000 up front yeah no questions asked in cash and yeah. they're like yeah the thing about that <laughs> uh, here's the thing killer joe we're doing this so that we can get insurance money So, we're going to just pay you later. And, you know, obviously he's already out the door at that point.
0: So, yeah, the big important thing is all these people hate the woman, the mom they're going to kill. All the money Chris finds out is going to Dottie. Right. So, Dottie is the most important person in all of their orbit because she she needs to be, you know, they need to be in uh, her good graces. Cause she's gonna get all this payout
1: money. Yeah, she's got to be in. Well, she's is she in on the plan? She's down with it. She's cool. She remember, knows it's going they, down. they try and yeah, keep yeah, her yeah. out of it until she
0: comes out and says, uh, "You know, I'm fine with you killing my mom."
1: Right. Exactly. So yeah, they, she she also thinks it's a good idea. Yeah, they're under the impression. that, Yeah, Dottie will get this windfall of the money and then spread it around.
0: Yeah, but already you're doing the math. And it's like, all right, so the policy is supposed to be 50 grand. Joe is getting 25
1: grand. He's getting 50% right off the top. Yeah,
0: right off the gate. And all right, how much is going to be left? Like, there's already a lot of people taking their, uh, wetting their
1: beaks. If three people are taking 25, that's barely, that's just over six each. Yeah. Uh, or four people because Gina Gershon. Uh-huh. That's what I was thinking. So you're already getting
0: just a sixty two. So the step 50.
1: the step mom wants a piece of this too. So four ways is yeah. That's barely 62, enough to 52, cover the debt. These dead.
0: people are gonna lose that sixty two
1: fifty quick. Oh, but man.
0: that is what Emil Hirsch owes to who we find out is Digger Soames. <laughs> <laughs> I I go on about loving uh. The actors who are only in a movie for 10 minutes. God, I want more Digger. So we get this great scene of Emil Hirsch at the off track betting, losing mo- more money that he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And then basically trying to run out of the off track betting <laughs> and getting confronted by the two gooniest movie goons. <laughs> oh man, these biker goons. Yeah. Just Holy cow. Burly, fat goons. Guys are both
1: 66 if they're an inch. These guys were carved out of just like that that <laughs> muscle that's on the end of your nose when you get your nose broken too much. It's just like <laughs> that hard cartilage when...
0: there's these two big guys on bikes who are looking for Emil Hirsch. Yeah. And I he was a guy that I've not really, you know, I know who he is. I've seen him in stuff, but this year as Jay, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and, mm. and now watching him again is this, it's like, hmm, what, what other uh, Emil Hirsch is out there for the taking? Because he's really fun in these kind of roles. He does, the way he tries to shake these guys yeah. is just, played for sheer comedy, when he's just like doing a bad job of distracting him before just basically like
1: running away.
0: Like, oh, it's, it's handled so comedically.
1: Yeah, he, he basically tries to juke these guys out and yeah, runs off. They got. They have bikes. They've. They're on their Harleys. Yeah, chasing. So we them get around this, this foot complex. race versus biker race. It's a good. Yeah, I like. It's that a scene. cool,
0: cool chase scene. But then eventually he gets caught. They circle him. I do love the the cat and mouse of that chase scene mm-hmm. where they turn off their bikes because they think he's waiting around the corner and they start walking the bikes forward. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, this is one of our big. Main scenes outside of the trailer it's not strictly confined bugged bug is very confined mm-hmm. you're in i think you're in a bar and you're outside on like a swing and the rest of it is in that motel interesting but here you go to the pizza place right they go to the other place where they first meet they Joe go to the strip joint strip joint so the bulk is at the trailer, but you do get a little bit of a sense of this world right that they're in. But when eventually Neil Hirsch is caught, and then we get the crime boss,
1: Digger pulls up in a big red, yeah, F four, yeah, yeah, huge, F- huge, three fifty four truck, climbs pumping out, pumping
0: out the Clarence Carter, <laughs> out <of his> truck. <laughs> yep. Look up the song "Strokin" by Clarence Carter, and this is just what this guy is bumping in his
1: F three fifty. We'll wait. We'll we'll let the listener. Yeah, we'll pull we'll that pause up right here. Now. For for okay.
0: Clarence Carter's strokin', all right, it's a great <laughs> slab of early '90s overly sexual R and B. So Diggers, played by Mark McCauley, okay, who I watched the Swamp Thing TV series. Which <laughs> the one, one? The one that I think was on like USA Network. Okay, like the '90s one oh, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, And he played a local cop Mm. on there. And I usually see him show up as a local cop. And he's kind of like a chubby, balding, redhead, pale, freckled ginger guy. I've never seen this dude as the heavy. He's usually just the background cop, you know. Mm -hmm. And here he is, local crime boss, Digger Soames and the digger scene is one of my absolute favorite scenes. He is a he is a real fave villain of mine just cuz he's such a charmer. And he's such a weird looking guy. He's just a chubby ginger guy. Yeah. I the love boss.
1: the I love the bosses that are just like friendly. Yeah. And then like uh menacing at the same time. Oh know? yeah.
0: You you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop right his whole conversation because he's so good at talking to, he tells this whole tale about a big old barbecue he threw out at the house mm-hmm. he's like oh and what's the name of that girl and he's like getting <laughs> Emil hirsch into it Emil hirsch who <clears throat> has to know this is the guy he owes, <laughs> he owes tons all of all money, money to too,
1: that he's running from yeah
0: yeah and he's telling this <laughs> long story going, and, There
1: must have been 200 people out there right and and the the, the yeah. one baker. Yeah, we thoughts, had everybody like, there. I couldn't there wasn't that many. Hundred fifty at least. Hundred fifty <laughs> at least. <laughs> like, yeah, the Digger. interplay
0: between these goons and Digger. Yeah, we had we had everybody out there. It <laughs> Had to be two hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> Digger character is so weird, but he has, oh, in a movie filled with some great lines. He has this whole friendly conversation with Emil Hirsch, and then leans into the end and goes, yeah. I'm just going to have
1: these two guys kick the shit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're good for that money, though, right? Well, yeah. Then he says something to the effect of, yeah, you know, next time I'm going to wrap you up in duct tape and...
0: Wrap you up in duct tape and bury you 10 feet deep. 10 feet deep. So this time he's just going to have his guys kick the shit out of him. Next time he's burying him alive.
1: And these guys kick the shit out of him they really go to town on Emil hirsch's face that's when uh,
0: yeah they really just put boots to face
1: <laughs> he just got kicked back and forth in the
0: face the whole time clarence carter's stroking is just blaring <laughs> it is the most it's just it's great film inappropriate <laughs> combination <laughs> it's it's the same way i love the Neil Diamond song in Blood Simple. Oh, for sure. I'm a believer. Well, he wrote it. The Monkees made it famous, and then this was his, like, I thought love (laughs) was... Like, he gets so Neil Diamond and it plays, like, three different times in Blood Simple, and there's no other song like it in Blood Simple. The rest is this noir score. Right. So, Killer Joe is this, like, desolate, disparate, cool score. Except for the bouncy beat of Clarence Carter's "Strokin," Strokin, and oh, I love it. <laughs> it's such a. <laughs> it adds such another layer of strange yeah. to it. It also plays over the entire credits.
1: Yes, it does. It, it does. It's
0: like the only original song used in this movie. Like, look, we paid for the rights to "Strokin." Mm-hmm. We are gonna use "Strokin." So. So now
1: Emil Hirsch is now desperate though. Oh man, his face is
0: beat purple. It, his I, mouth is yeah. can't talk
1: now cuz he's got kicked he, in the mouth he so gets, much. He's got basically his hand is broken so he's got like his hand in a cast the whole rest of the movie. He's walking with a limp. Like I love when the the movie really keeps them keeps someone injured <laughs> it's a yeah. weird way to say it but like the fact that he's not just normal the next this you know, is really like scenes later like the bruises stay <laughs> on his face this is and, like bushemmy in fargo yeah he really yeah. <laughs> like, you should see the other guy
0: yeah <laughs> like a keeps that beating he has to do that the whole rest yeah. of the movie <laughs> he wears that beating for the whole time and then he wants to like what call the deal off because well, he meets with Joe again, because
1: then Joe gets to say that one line about, like, what, Digger
0: and boys did this?
1: Exactly. Well, what happens <laughs> that I don't think we really covered is that Joe agrees to kill the mom oh, without gosh. the payment. This is kind of a big thing. Because they've got... He takes uh, out a retainer. A bit of a, bit of a retainer, yeah. He, uh, he agrees to... Uh, jeez, I don't even say this
0: he He basically gets possession of Dotty he okay, yeah
1: yeah uh emil Hirsch yeah and and the rest of the group decide to basically prostitute Dotty out to killer Joe until the payment comes through, which yeah, if there's one thing more messed up than. Killing your own mother, I would. I would go with that. You're. I would go selling
0: with the, out your daughter your, and your, sister. Your
1: young little <laughs> sister, who you are protective of, and I. And that's what happens when he wants to call off the deal because he doesn't want Joe. He. It's not worth it to have Joe be around his sister. Basically.
0: Yeah, he wants the deal off because it's not worth it
1: if he has to pay with his sister. Right. Who he has some moment of clarity there. A thing amidst I, the the. I think this is important. Bullshit.
0: And, and I like this a lot, is that we see what a dummy and what an awful person Chris is, but he and Dottie like each other, and Dottie admires mm. Chris. Chris stood up for her as children when they had lived in this bad situation, right? and she is enamored with Chris. So even though Chris is such a chud, you know just the dumbest the nicest only nice person in the movie actually likes him and so he does not want to sell dotty out but doesn't need tons of convincing Mm -hmm. because joe basically says he's just gonna murder all of them
1: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah things really escalate um after yeah he gets the shit kicked out of him joe ends up committing the deed yeah we see that a brief moment of the, moment and I love in the how trunk. they handle
0: it that we don't, we don't know what the hell Joe did. Yeah, it's it's handled very. The movie makes cool choices like that, where the the violence that it chooses to focus on, and there is a lot, and the stuff that is kept off camera and mm-hmm. unseen. It it's it's it makes the movie have a cool angular pace to it. You aren't quite knowing what you're going to see and what you're not gonna see. It already established thirty seconds in you're seeing
1: Bush. Right. Right. And Yeah, you do wonder how far is it gonna go. Yeah. So it keeps kinda teasing you with these
0: things that it's not showing you. And you already know what it's willing to show you. So you kinda don't know how far this movie's gonna take it, and you really don't know. Right. I bet I bet you had no idea what you were getting into. No, I did not. So we get two of the more Uncomfortable cinematic (laughs) scenes in history, I think.
1: Uncomfortable. And this
0: is a movie that's shown on like HBO. I know that because my dad one time said, Hey, did you ever see this movie Killer Joe? Like this thing is just being shown somewhere where my father is is lingering on the channel. Where he has
1: access to it.
0: Yeah. And these two scenes, one of them the big blowout finale of Mm -hmm. this movie, which my god. But the one before that is the date between Joe and Dottie. Yes. Where Dottie makes a casserole while still not knowing what she's making a casserole for. She thinks they're all having dinner together as a family and then gets told at the last minute, We're all leaving. You're going to be here alone with Joe. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Poor Everything Dottie. from the part of that. Of them waiting to tell her, you know they have her go buy a dress they
1: oh gosh, this whole the whole setup some coming a mile away it's kinda of, it, it's yeah it's kind of sickening, yeah, you know the the callousness with which they are treating this this girl as property and and but also just kind of the cowardice of the whole thing that they're doing, yeah, like, these are just
0: bad those, people those man. are the two those are callousness and cowardice. That that go. defines this totally. And we get... So Joe shows up, and we get... Whew, I'd love to know what his process what was th- 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 to go <laughs> through this one. Because he is both so charming and so infatuated with Dottie, and also that sadistic side and that dominating control side. It's one of those movies that, uh, you know, I remember... The people that were into secretary a Mm -hmm. lot that really captured that uh, dominant submission thing in ways that, you know, Fifty Shades didn't do really as well. This seduction scene with McConaughey and uh, uh, Juno Temple.
1: Oh my gosh! It really walks that got, line, yeah. It feels so
0: incorrect
1: <laughs> and so
0: wrong this whole time because McConaughey's joking one minute and then he's getting then he gets serious, but he never feels like he's quite
1: being. She doesn't seem uncomfortable. It's <sighs> you never. You don't. You you don't get the <laughs> sense that he's threatening violence. Yeah, but you get the sense that he's.
0: There's a threat. There's a violent. major no. <laughs> threat there. Yeah.
1: He's, he's, uh, he, yeah, he's very assertive. The, and, um,
0: this scene feels really strongly like a stage play kind right. of scene. Right. And the movie knows where to linger back. And, uh, you know, the, the score settles out. So you're just getting these two actors in their stage in mm-hmm. this trailer home. And yeah, you basically get this kind of long, uh seduction and you see a lot of mcconaughey sex face in this
1: movie <laughs> for
0: a guy who yeah. doesn't totally have sex in the movie
1: you see a lot of mcconaughey sex groaning there's like a well the the kind of the climax of that seduction scene really reminded me of <laughs> oh no uh this of uh, patrick swayze like, I just got a Swayze vibe. There was kind of a Swayze <laughs> like Roadhouse the, vibe in Like, there. from Roadhouse or just, like, the way Swayze would get kind of sweaty whenever he'd be, like, being yeah. seductive and, and romantic. It was
0: kind of, <laughs> and it was kind of like a little bit of a dance with yeah. him and Dottie. You know, he's, like, putting her hands places. And, they're like, they're kind of doing, like, this uh, sexy well, dance.
1: like Ghost, right? Like the, it's very, the pottery scene. This is very Ghost. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, no, I, was just I, like, to- I totally I feel get that like if vibe. If Patrick Swayze was alive, still, he would have been. He could have been Killer Joe. Oh, that would have been a see. That's a good one. Yeah, Dick and Swayze
0: as Killer Joe. What a man! I'm i like, I've, I've never would have thought Swayze in this one, but it does make sense. It makes sense, right? And so we build to the climax of this movie, which is another one that feels like right on the stage. Oh yeah. This feels like you could see some actors going through some intense onstage line crossing in this scene. We get this. This is one of the more disturbing things mm-hmm. I think we've seen on on camera. It involves like no murder, no actual sex. It is Matthew McConaughey. Figuring out that Gina Gershon knows we're going to tell you the twist here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's save it. Save that. But Matthew McConaughey, after the plan goes to hell, Mm -hmm. figures out she's the one that knows more. This guy's a pro. This guy's a cop. Sometimes this guy is the cop that investigates the own crimes that he did. Not always, but it's convenient when it happens. Yeah. (laughs) And he figures out that Gina Gershon knows more. And the whole plan goes as badly as it can go. We get this scene of McConaughey choking Gina Gershon and then making her simulate oral sex with a fried chicken leg, Mm -hmm. which is one of those... This movie is rated NC-17. Oh, I bet it's mostly for this scene, which is not sex. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, McConaughey acting... You don't totally know that it's not sex until it's over. I don't know if you thought that. The first time I saw it... I mean, I knew... Uh, Because I knew he had the chicken down there, but the way he started acting. Oh, yeah. The way he started uh, thrusting.
1: He was was getting off. Yeah. Or he was simulating the act. Or he
0: was at least doing a great job pretending. Um, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You see these people that we thought were the lowest they could get. And then this is downright, like, animalistic by this final scene. Yeah. Everything comes crashing down.
1: Yeah, the uh, Gina Gershon, uh, who is the one subjected to this uh, K Fried C, is that what the they K-Fried call it? The K Fried C, K-Fried they K-Fried keep calling C it. Uh, fellatio. <laughs> I don't
0: know if that is actual lingo for the KFC,
1: but I'm loving K Fried C. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, <laughs> I'm loving that. She was actually offered the role. Uh, 20 years previously when the script was written for the play. Oh, wow. But she turned it down because she, this is what IMDb says, could not imagine performing the chicken leg scene eight times a week on stage. Oh, gosh. Imagine. Some
0: poor gal has to do that on a stage.
1: That Eight looked, times a week.
0: Yeah, it, looked, it was on Broadway or whatever. It looked like she was choking to death. You got like the running mascara, yeah. You know, and she's hacking because of being actually. And again, you know, you
1: only get really one two brief glimpses of the full shot of what's Uh going on. Most of the most of that scene is McConaughey kind of laying out his. I don't. He's like becomes this kind of revivalist preacher. Dude, McConaughey goes
0: Weirdsville, like end of Cape Fear. De Niro, yeah, <laughs> on
1: this family, he goes he totally psycho. <laughs> he is a total psycho tent preacher and, down the stretch. Oh, I loved it, but I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly like what was going on with well, him because he just goes to this other level. Like, oh, his he, eyes roll back in his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, he's like basically speaking in tongues. Yeah, <laughs> like he is. It, he goes
0: crazy, and the, and and oh my gosh, the 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 movie just explodes, and. Totally. I love it, but it's. I don't feel totally right about loving this movie, but I can't, I cannot deny how powerful and how unique mm-hmm. and intense in such a weird, quirky way. It's quirky. Oh, yeah. But it's not... And it's funny. There's stuff that I laugh at in this movie, but
1: it is not a funny movie. Right. <laughs> it's it has messed that messed odd movie. Like, uh, Yeah, it just has that odd theatrical angle to it. Yeah, too, that it's just... Sometimes you see a play, you know, or a movie based on a play, and it's you know it's all set in one thing or whatever. But it's a movie. This really did feel like the play, yeah, on film, and it
0: added to the rawness, which was a cool thing. Yeah, that uh, that these character these characters needed to be raw. <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. couldn't have been overproduced. Like you needed it as loose and raw as it. And I imagine there was a bunch of improv uh, on the set, and I also imagine other things that seemed improv were actually pretty tight. Uh, pretty planned out, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. But they had a super professional, really well cast group, you know, for a movie with what ten people, right? In the whole thing, you know, you got to find the best people, and they got they nailed it, man. I'm so bummed that you know. I know you're a big Friedkin fan. Oh, I love him. Your big idea for the Friedkin weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the, Friedkin uh, weekend. the Friedkin weekend. Friedkin weekend. Uh. And so, Bug, which was one of my favorite movies of the two thousands, now Killer Joe, one of my favorites of the twenty tens, not much traction. You know, these movies did not get big theatrical runs. This movie was a part of the McConaissance. Every other McConaissance movie was the one getting play. Even Mud, yeah, you know, even Mud, which was a similar level of indie as this, that was the one that was at least playing. You know, the art house cinemas.
1: Right, Killer Joe is basically found on cable. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably just a small budget, and and uh, the NC Seventeen probably hurt. The NC is gonna hurt you. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, but yeah, a movie like this is not for a mainstream audience, obviously. Um, but yeah, the audience even that would go see it. It's a challenging movie, and uh, yeah, it's a lot. You know, it's one of those where there's hardly any likable characters on screen. <laughs> yeah. The ones that are likable are usually being victimized in some way, you know. Yeah. So it's a tough watch, but I think uh just watching some watching a filmmaker and actors on screen just doing things so far out there.
0: Yeah, so far out there and the level of trust mm. that has to be in place between the sc- the screenwriter, the stage writer, The director and all these actors, like, they're all, you know, you just see them locked in on this specific goal. Mm -hmm. This very weird, distinct (laughs) vision. And you can sense all these people are locked into this exact tone. Right. And it made the whole thing much more powerful for me. Like, this is hitting a weird note, yet everybody knows just what note to hit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's on the same level there. That has to be so hard yeah. to know to that le- like I said that level of trust where you and your fellow actors know what you're going to do and what limits you're willing to go. Mm. And I I love Killer Joe, man. I love it. It's one it's it's one of my absolute favorite movies of the decade. And
1: yeah, we're going to get more into our Decade lists. We yeah. have
0: we have a couple lists
1: coming up for you guys. And... We have some list episodes, and uh, yeah. we might pull De- a few out to do you know more in depth. Uh, yeah, this is this we'll is see. the
0: first of those where we just kind of jump back into a, a movie, a recent, but yeah, uh, you know, within the decade flick.
1: Well, I would say check it out if you're wondering how weird can it get. Like yeah. it's totally it's totally one of those movies that does not disappoint. No, in the. How fucked up are things going to get department? And
0: it never felt to me like they were specifically like, oh, you know, it'll be weird next. Right. Like, this does, this movie didn't seem like it was trying to, you know, do a human centipede kind <laughs> of, oh, this will be really gross. Like, no, it just captures that specific level of depravity and desperation. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And...
1: It's a, it's a special little treat. And we actually did not spoil this one too much. <laughs> not too so much. You and actually could still it or go not. watch and get and enjoy the twists and uh yeah, it's a It's a cool flick. It, it has to be seen to be believed. It's kind think of that's, what is kind of one of those I things. I think that's fair. Got to see it. Yes. You got to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to go see Killer Joe. It has come to this. It came to this. Thank you guys. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We will talk to you more about some movies movies very uh, soon until we'll then we back bye bye